Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, a platform that is dedicated to you industrial professionals all around the world. You are bold, brave, you dare greatly, you collaborate, you're solving problems, you're making the world a better place. That's why Industrial Talk is your cheerleader in all things industrial. All right, in the hot seat, Alberto Villarreal. Nepanoa is the company. We're talking about nearshoring. We're talking about seeing what we can do. What are the strategies? What what avenues can be taken to try to sort of bring back maybe some manufacturing and, and make it a little bit more in, uh, efficient, maybe south of the border type of solutions? Nepanoa is your team. Let's get cracking. Yeah, it's going to be a great conversation. You'll like this conversation. It's an interesting conversation because I know that from my perspective that I've had uh, a number of uh, conversations sort of wrapped around uh, supply chain. What are those strategies? What do we do? Uh, how do we become more efficient? How do we create a supply chain that is uh, a little bit more durable than what we are expecting, uh, that what we experienced? So anyway, great conversation, great solution, Nepa Noah. All right, once again... Uh, before we get into the conversation, we're going to be doing a 2022 wrap-up. And uh, not, to, not to sort of explain to you what, what's going on, but I, I've been very fortunate to be uh, attending conferences, meeting with uh, companies and professionals, talking to them about some of the challenges that are taking place within uh, manufacturing, uh, digital transformation, you name it. It's all out there, and there's a lot of great, great thinking and uh, solutions that exist out there. So I'm going to be wrapping it up. But sort of a precursor, there are a couple of things that uh, sort of fall into the category. One is, and this is, a, this is a constant theme, there's a trust. Who do I trust? I'm out there on the World Wide Web. I'm looking around. I'm trying to figure out how to create a business that's more resilient. Uh, what do I do? Where do I go? What are those avenues? Who do I trust? Because there's a lot of people hanging shingles out there saying, trust us, do this, trust us, do that. But who do I really trust? Because I know I need to do something. So trust is a big deal. The second sort of theme that exists out there today is, one, there's a speed. There's a, there's a uh, sort of a, a, there's a rapid expansion solution. There's just so much speed and velocity that exists out there in industry the, the, the challenge is, again, not just trust, but where do I start? What, what, what do I do? And, and, and I think that that's real important. And I think that uh, there are a lot of great companies out there that can definitely help you navigate those waters and to be able to deal with the velocity that exists today in industry. So those are a couple of the, the sort of the themes that are going to be communicated in the 2022 wrap-up. The other thing that we're doing is in light of the same thing is that you have these verticals, and let's say it's manufacturing, okay, manufacturing, and there are so many solutions that are uh, hammering manufacturing is how do you sort of pull that and to create a great a sort of a, a cogent picture behind it? And, and that, you know, that could be digital transformation. What do we do? Where do we go? 
Is that really necessary? Two, uh, let's say cybersecurity. If you're gonna if you're gonna be digitizing your business, you need to make sure that you're upfront with your conversation around uh, cybersecurity. That's two. Uh, Again, who do I trust? Where do I go? All of these things, and how do you pull all of these solutions? What what technology do I put in place? What what does that mean? How do I compress those times? These are just conversations that had happened uh, over the past year, uh, attending conferences, meeting up with people, all fantastic stuff. So be on the lookout for one, uh, the year wrap up, and then two. Uh, these series that I'm gonna would love to be able to pull together that maybe it's manufacturing, oil and gas, uh, pipeline, utilities, big, big need to sort of pull all that together and what does that picture look like? So all of these things are just really absolutely spectacular. So that's 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 where I'm at. That's where I'm going. That's what I'm pushing. So be on the lookout for that and and go out to industrial talk and you know click and be a part of that so all right nepanoa so the reality is is that we had this this covid it, it had it the supply chain went fagawi and uh we needed to come up with some solutions and strategies that maybe address nearshoring reshoring bringing some of the critical manufacturing components uh in north america and uh Nepanoa is uh, are are the leaders in opening up uh, Mexico and and South America and areas in there to be able to begin sourcing from those locations and uh, so anyway it's a great conversation really enjoyed it it's timely so enjoy Alberto Alberto welcome to Industrial Talk thank you very much for finding time in your busy schedule to talk to our listeners which happen to be the best in the world how about that I believe you. How you doing? Very good, Scott. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's a pleasure yeah, to talk I'm, to you and share perspectives with your listeners. Yeah, I'm, I'm all into it. I'm telling you right now. I, uh, listeners, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, nearshoring is a, a great topic, uh, primarily Mexico, Latin America, and uh, uh, Nepa, yeah, Nepanoa. Got it. Nepanoa. There you go. Leaders in in being able to make that happen, and I think that that's an important conversation to have, especially with uh, challenges with supply chain and and uh, the importance of manufacturing. Before we get into that conversation, Alberto, give us a little background on who you are. Sure. Scott, thank you very much for the opportunity to connect. I am Alberto Villarreal. I was born and raised in Monterrey, Mexico. And uh-huh. if you notice, that sentence was in Spanglish. There was a lot of R rolling there. In English, it's, I'm Alberto Villarreal, and I was born and raised in Monterey, Mexico. It works. (laughs) Either one works. Uh, I've been in the United States since 2003. I went to school at Georgia State University. Very stereotypical story, Scott. Mexican kid, played soccer. I ended up getting a full ride at Georgia State and playing there for four years. Um, I had a long career in consulting, one one of the big consulting firms. And three years ago, I decided to start my own firm, which is Nepanoa. And Nepanoa... Yeah, Nepanoa is a verb. It means a company. It means to be a companion, right? And the language is Nahuatl. Nahuatl was spoken by the Aztecs. Who were the Aztecs? The Aztecs lived in Mexico City, and they were the most important civilization in the pre-Columbian era. And the name of our company, I love it because it really describes what we do. We are a companion, right, to businesses that want to establish operations, grow their operations, or transform their operations between the U.S., Mexico, and Latin America. 
Um, I've been a resident of Chicago and for the last 12 years. I moved to Chicago in 2010 and a Chicago Booth grad for any, you know, MBAs out there. And, um, you know, very proud of what we're doing, you know, trying to unite U.S. and Mexico, U.S. Latin America, particularly for what you're saying, nearshoring, ally shoring. Right there is. Whoa, hey, I didn't have that ally shoring. I, I got all the there other shore, go. but I didn't get that ally shoring. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep yeah, that. Way. I mean, you, well, we need to think about it that way, right? It's not only a supply chain issue, but with the complexities that are happening around the world, Europe, Asia. I mean, just yesterday, right? We were you know, looking at some uh, missile tests in Asia. <laughs> we not only need to think of our supply chain, we need to think of as, okay, which countries, which markets, which regions are our allies. Right. So that's the way we need to take a look at it. Every risk counts when we're thinking of moving operations. So one of the questions I have is, is let's say I, I approach, I'm a business, I'm interested in at least beginning, I, I source my products here, I manufacture my products here, I do that over here, wherever here is, let's say it's Asia, wherever, wherever it is, right? Sure. And I'm, I, I see the value, I see the importance of uh, sort of bringing critical items nearer to me, right? Yeah. And um, how does that sort of journey begin with you? Like, sure. how do I, I just approach it? What's that journey look like? Sure. So, Scott, it's not usually about moving all of your production or for source everything from one country. But if anything, the last three years proved to us that, you know, diversification, having one, two, three suppliers of the same part is really beneficial, especially in a state like the one that we're living today that it's really unstable. Um, how it works with us is we have a methodology which we call the NEPA-NOAA life cycle. And our conversations usually begin with a question. And it's usually the CEO or you know, the CFO, right? Or just the owner of a manufacturing shop. And the question is, hey, can I take my facility to Mexico? Can I expand my facility to Mexico? Can I find X or Y product in Peru? I've heard that Brazil is fantastic for this type of part. That's usually the question, and that's how we begin conversations. From there, we focus on making an analysis. Okay, let's talk about financials. How would your company look if you started working in Mexico, right? How would it work if you sourced this product from Colombia, right? Let's talk about the people. Okay, if you're going to be manufacturing elsewhere, what type of people do you need? What capabilities are you looking for? Right? What are the biggest issues that you're facing today operating elsewhere? Right? How can that play a role? Because, Scott, many times when we have these conversations, we think of Mexico as a whole. But we forget that Mexico has more than 130 million people in it. Right? We think of Latin America as a whole. But operating in Brazil, Colombia, Chile, Peru, is completely different. Different regulations, different, um, you know, different people, different cultures. And it's important to be able to navigate them. Once we make that analysis, we encourage our clients to make a decision. And you'd be surprised because sometimes the decision is, no, guess what? Continue working with the company you're working with or maintain your operations where they are. At this point, it truly doesn't make sense for you to expand. But of course, you, on occasion... So you, you, you can... Um, if, if I came to you and I just said, I'm, I'm interested, I, I don't know where to go, I don't know where to start, I don't even... I, I just think it it might work out well. Uh, the uh, Nepanoa team, Nepanoa will say, "Okay, let's look at, let's look at it," and and 
this is fine. This could be improved. This whatever. You you give us that roadmap, right? I'll give you that roadmap. And it will always be backed by data, right? And it will always be backed by how does this, how is this coherent with the strategy of your business going forward? I'll give you an example. Just today, I had a call with a client that was going to Mexico. But guess what? The facility that they were looking to, it was 30,000 square feet. They wanted to start with something small, maintain all their operation in the U.S., but they were just looking at Mexico for that specific piece. Well, guess what? We weren't able to find a facility at the price point that they needed it so that it made sense for them. We're going to revisit this in six months because today it doesn't make sense, right? And that's okay. Now, that's one story. The other side of the story is it makes sense. And then our team will accompany through the expansion or through the engagement of sourcing product from Mexico and Latin America. And that is a whole different ballgame, Scott. We're talking government relations. We're talking negotiations. We're talking understanding customs and our border, understanding logistics in general very well. So we become an extension of the companies that are coming into Mexico and Latin America, and we take care of that project for them. So that way they can focus on operating, do what they do best, and we become their Mexico slash LATAM team to get things done down here. What is the value proposition of why I would consider moving operations down to Mexico or even, you know, Latin America? What, 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 what's that driver? Why, why, why is that important? There's several drivers, but there's two that are very important. The first one is people. When you look at the demographic of Mexico, when you look at the demographic of Latin America, you're going to see young people. The average age in Latin America is between 25 and 30 years old, Scott. Okay, so when we have young people, young professionals that need jobs, that want to innovate, that really gives an opportunity. More importantly, in specific countries, because when we say Latin America in this conversation, we're ignoring Uruguay, we're ignoring Bolivia, Venezuela, right? I mean, we're truly focusing on Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Peru, a little bit of Argentina, and of course, Mexico. But in my world, Mexico counts as North America. Mexicans just happen to speak Spanish, right? Right, 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 right. But when you look at the education level, Would you be surprised if I told you that in Mexico, more than 300,000 engineers graduate every year? Industrial, chemical, civil, mechanical. And that number- It's it's the number. I I would imagine, yeah, that's the case, but you know, it's never been a a, a source of topic, but it's important, and especially when we're struggling with finding people here. That's exactly the point. So that's why people plays a very important role. The the, The first question that companies have is, hey, what type of people will I find? And the response is, well, what type of people do you need, right? Now, what if I told you that turnover for companies in Mexico is 60% less than it is in the United States? No way. That's 60%. significant. 60%. Think about all the training that goes in when you yeah. hire somebody. Think about the years of experience that they may have operating a machine, managing a team, just knowing the culture of your company. And then having to do that, all that investment again and again and again and again. That's a big number, right? So that one is the main point. The second point is the financial one. But I want to be very specific here. When I talk financial, I don't mean, oh, it's cheap labor, because guess what? It isn't. When you compare Latin America with Asia, very difficult. In very, 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 very few cases, you will find that it is less expensive than it is to operate in Asia. But when I say by financial, it's the whole supply chain. You will need to make sure that everything flows, right, via Latin America until, you know, it reaches your final client. 
And of course, there's a labor component then, right? It's not as expensive as it is, you know, in Canada or the United States, but it's logistics. It's where are my suppliers? What are they providing? And definitely the people. And of course, technology, right? Is there availability for automation or even for management systems, right? What's the cost of that? So all that added up, it gives you a financial picture. So truly the play here is people and financials. Does it make sense? Yeah, it it does. Uh, do you find there are struggles within sort of the government area? No, oh, definitely. Scott, thank you very much for, for asking that. I always say that Mexico and Latin America need the infrastructure to attract more foreign direct investment. And when I say infrastructure, people think, oh, it's roads and bridges. Yes, that's one piece. But I'm talking business infrastructure. I'm talking making it easy for people to go down there and establish a corporation. Yeah. Get rid of bureaucracy, making it easy to hire and let go of people. That is very important. And that's what I mean, the business infrastructure, right? When you show up to a specific state and they welcome you and say, hey, we have all this land available. Hey, we have all these people available. Hey, here are the companies that could help you. Well, there are other states that you call them, you let them know, hey, we're bringing some investors or we're bringing this business to your state. All right, thank you very much, appreciate it. No, no. you need to attract, right, yeah, all this. Yeah. So definitely the government should be helping more, right, to, I want to call it unite, right, this side of the world, Scott. Do you, you see know, any changes allies. taking place there? I mean, do you see some sort of shift in that? Um, I've seen local efforts. Once again, each one of these countries is large, right? So let's talk about Mexico. Mexico. When you show up in Nuevo León, which is the state of Monterrey, right there in the north part of Mexico, very industrial, right? Many, many, many American companies operate there. You can see that there's a business infrastructure, right? You show up, right? There's particularly Invest Monterrey, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an organization that is devoted to attract investment, right? There's attorneys there, there's tax consultants, immediately industrial developers, you know, show up. But then you go into another state, right? I may not mention any names. I will not you know, mention any names, but you go into another state and you see that it's not the same treatment, right? So then you start wondering, okay, why does Nuevo Leon receive a lot of this foreign direct investment? Well, that's the reason. I wish, I wish that countries would take more of a united approach and say, hey, come to our country right, and get it done. You know, instead of just being the local governments of each state, because what will happen there is, you know, that gap between the rich states and the poor states will continue to widen. And that's not what you want, especially in such large, large countries like the ones that we operate in. The same thing happens in Brazil. The same thing happens in Colombia. Yeah. So, it, it, again, back with my company hat on, um, I have a specific need. Uh Nepanoa, Team Nepanoa says, yeah, here we go. We're going to do this. A part of that is determining where. Maybe Mexico is not the place. Maybe it is another portion of Latin America and, sure. and because there's strengths and weaknesses and whatever. Do you guys help uh, with that journey too as well? Definitely, Scott. So that's part of the analysis that we make, right? So we had a client, for example, Scott, and they had to do beanies, right? Winter beanies, right, for our heads. And of course, you know, for cotton perspective, Peru is huge, right? The industry over there is fantastic, but they initially wanted to go to Mexico. Well, what happened was, well, guess what? Yes, we can go to Mexico, but it's going to be more expensive. Perhaps there's not 
the necessary you know, volume that you need. And we ended up going to Peru with them. We walked them through. What did we do? We got to Peru and we analyzed, hey, how many companies can actually make this product? In particular for them, their beanies are quite special. They have something that is, that, that is yeah. unique to them. Yeah. So it required a little bit of product development by the companies that we were talking with over there. But we took them through the whole process. Hey, first, give me an NDA. By the moment, you know, when someone in Latin America signs an NDA, immediately they're telling you, okay, I'm serious about this, right? Then second of all, hey, can I talk to some of your customers? Perfect. We do some due diligence there. And then we jump into, okay, here's our client. Here's exactly what we're going to be doing. Can you do it? What's, you know, volume, cost, you know, the usual. Um, but we can do that not only in Mexico, but, you know, across LATAM. Our network is truly expansive in the region. See, and it, it, uh, good point. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't know where to start. And, and the reality is, is I see the, the necessity to find uh, trusted individuals to help along this journey. Uh, the last thing I want is, is saying, yeah, we're all thumbs up. I'm, I'm heading down to Mexico, got uh, an extension of my manufacturing, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, something happens right and I, I can't do anything about it that's not within my wheelhouse of of capabilities so it's i i, I see that man but that's with anything you know if i'm going to be manufacturing in asia it's the same thing i'm not gonna i can't do that yeah you know so and that Scott, go you, ahead you touch a very important point because our clients are the companies expanding or working with within these countries and we like to say that we have a lot of relationships, but no commitments locally. Our commitment is to our client. We maintain that independence. And I'll give you an example. Somebody may come to you and say, hey, I heard that you're expanding, and let's choose Mexico, that you're expanding in the state of Durango. Well, guess what? I'll get you the location. You need a 100,000 square feet facility. Fantastic. But then that person will take a commission on whoever they bring into Mexico, and then they'll charge you for the service over here. That's not what we do, right. right? We're a professional services firm. What we do is we maintain our independence and we're able to work with all realtors, with all industrial developers, with all attorneys, with all tax advisors, because we represent your company, right? And that's our only obligation. And that's something very important when you're doing business internationally, be able to maintain that independence, but work with someone that knows the rules of the road and is able to navigate Set our expectations on a typical timing. I, I, I understand, generally speaking, right? It, uh, it also depends on the product, whatever it might be. Sure. But, but how quickly can something like this take place? So if it's a full expansion, Scott, and let's take the example of one of our clients that um, built a 125,000 square foot facility in Mexico as their third facility. That project took 16 months. Okay, why? Because there were a solid 10 months in there of just the build out of the facility, right? Before that, we had to do all the legality of work, right? We had to find the people, bring the machines in, et cetera. Now, that's one of our longer projects. Something that is smaller is, hey, we need rubber hoses. Literally, in three weeks, facility here in Illinois, can you connect us yeah. with someone, right? That's something that, that that's something that would be pretty short. Now, from a sourcing perspective, usually those projects then take from four to six months because very rarely do we work with companies, Scott, that have a specific need. Hey, I need a pen, right? Or right, I need a right. it's, it's, it's usually 
this is proprietary from my product and we need it to sign and I'm, and I'm doing it in China or Vietnam. Right. So the companies, you know, in that time need to understand what needs to be done. And there's some uh, tweaking in the process. So usually four to six months to vet them, find the right partner, negotiate, and then actually start well, testing. I think, I think that's relatively fast. FYI, I, I was expecting a little longer. And in that, in the case of your longer project, what 14, 16, 18 months, I still think that that's a, that's reasonable time expectations for a long-term solution to whatever the pain is or whatever it might be. And you're along the, you're along the, with them in the journey. And, and, and that to me is, is a very valuable thing. Uh, Roadblocks. Let's talk about that. So all of this sounds great. It does. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I think that, that given the way things are, are shaping up out there, I, I'm, I'm always, I know people are always looking for people. They're trying to figure yeah. that out and they're trying to look for capable individuals. And they're also dealing with just churn. Gosh, it is just, I'm glad I don't have a business like that because it's <laughs> hard. I've been there, done that hard. So I get the value, but, but what are some of the pushback? What, what, what would prevent somebody from saying, no, no, I, I can't, I'll, I'll just deal with my headache over here. Yeah, no, Scott. So the main pushback that we have when we deal with clients is, I don't know, just as people, we are always afraid of what's unknown, right? We are afraid of going and literally stepping into another country, right? There's always doubt in there. Is this person going to run away? For starters, will they ever take my call, right? Um, it happens a lot in technology companies, for example, when, you know, they hire someone outside of the United States and, you know, suddenly that person never connects, right? It's like, yeah, they showed up the first day, took a first paycheck, and then they just left. They just, you know, left the company. We are, we avoid that. We help, you know, companies with it. So that's the first one. The first one is, hey, this is unknown. I have never done this before. I've seen a lot of success, success cases, but hey, I also read the news, right? And I've seen that it's insecure in some areas, for example. Right. So that one is always the first roadblock. And the second roadblock, Scott, is a financial one. And let me tell you why. Particularly for medium to large projects, we're talking about an investment, right, to actually set up operations abroad. And that's usually going to be, depending on the project, right, it can be as low as $10 million. You know, we had a client that invested $120 million. Well, where is that money coming from? Very rarely a U.S. financial institution or any financial institution, depending on the country, you will lend you money for you to place your assets in another country. Yeah. And it's just risk, That's right? Huge. We're not gonna, they're not gonna do it, right? But then, okay, let's assume that this company's setting up in Brazil. Well, do you think that a Brazilian you know, financial institution will be like, hey, Scott, good to meet you. You just made it into Brazil. Here you go, $20 million. Ah. So there is a gap there, but it's also an opportunity, right? For financial lenders and companies to be able to say, okay, guess what? Particularly in Mexico. In Mexico, it works out very well because we have USMCA, yeah. right? That gives yeah. regulations for the region. Yeah. Be like, all right, I'll lend you the money so you can actually, you know, expand your business into Mexico and your IP is going to be taken care of. And there's a rule of law right there. But those are the two main things that, that we face. You know, the first one is, I just don't know what I don't know. And the second one is, okay, this looks fantastic. I need to invest in it. Where am I going to get the money from? Right? And it happens a lot. Yeah. And, and, and again, it, it, it would make me feel warm and fuzzy if, if we go through the process and saying, yeah, it's the right decision from a business perspective to be able to expand in Latin America or Mexico. 
and then uh, be able to sort of wrap it with the right financial and insurance and all of the stuff that is necessary to make sure that um, it succeeds the way you're supposed to, you know, there's always business is business. So yeah, I I, kind of like that. I kind of like that. All right. We got to wrap up. Tell us how does somebody get a hold of uh, Alberto? I'm very available, Scott. You can find me first in my email, which is Alberto. That's Albert, just add an O at the end, at nepanoa.com. Pretty simple. Alberto at nepanoa.com. Right. Uh, on, on Twitter, I am, my, my, my Twitter handle is at Beto Villarreal. So that's a little bit more complicated, but it's Beto is the short of Alberto. So it's B-E-T-O. And my last name, V-S in Victor, I double L. A double R E A L, same handle on Instagram. And of course, you can always send us a note to connect at nepanoa.com. Well, that's, I really enjoyed this conversation. I wish I, 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 I'd like to do more, absolutely, just because I think it's a topic that, I mean, we just sort of skirted on it. I think that, uh, yeah. you know, when you start talking or start rolling in, let's say, supply chain, when you start, and even, even a conversation that wrapped around the financial. I think that that is an interesting conversation as well. Wonderful job, Alberto. All right, listeners, uh, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. We're going to have all the contact information for Alberto and Team Nepanoa. So don't go away. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. All right. Thank you again for joining Industrial Talk. And as well, thank you very much for your support. 2023 is going to be a great year. Also, how about that conversation? Alberto Villarreal, Nepanoa is the company. You're going to have all the contact information for Alberto and the company out on Industrial Talk. So fear not, you'll be able to connect with this fine gent and team, Nepanoa. You know, get a, have that conversation. Figure it out. Look at, look at your supply chain. See if there are some ways that you can sort of leverage some other countries to be able to satisfy your procurement, your sourcing needs, Team Nepanoa. All right, we're going to be doing also, we're going to be doing, because I figure I put my money where my mouth is. There's no money, really. But it is, uh, there are a lot of great books out there. We're going to be doing some real book reports. And uh, be on the lookout for that. And I'm going to summarize them. I'm going to do the reading. I'm going to summarize them. But uh, nonetheless, check it out. We're going to be doing that too as well. So anyway, thank you very much again for joining Industrial Talk. Be bold, be brave, dare greatly, as I always say. Hang out with people like Alberto. Boom, you're going to change the world. We're going to have another great conversation shortly, so stay tuned.